0: Hello and welcome back to the Thunder 6 Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I am going to be going over George Hill, being out an extended period of time, him plus Pokachevsky, that leaves a big void to be filled in the rotation. I'm going to be talking about potentially who gets those minutes over the course of the time they are gone, and then I'm also going to be giving you all a preview of of the thunder houston rockets game so just kicking things off with george hill and pokachevsky a lot of minutes up for grabs right now we knew as early as monday that Alexei pokachevsky would be assigned to the okc blue he's going to be down in the orlando bubble for however long it may be probably a month or two but also now we know the status of george hill and george hill you know we heard maybe last week that he would be out for some time, whether it was day-to-day, if he was just completely out, we didn't know. We just knew that something was jacked up with his right thumb. So he sat out one game, one game leads to two, three, he gets it checked out, and he gets a procedure done on his right thumb. So he is going to be out for four weeks with that injury. And those two guys combined, they are accounting for 43 of the team's potential 240 minutes and that is a lot of time just up for grabs right there that's 18% of our entire rotation just right there for the taking so there's going to be a lot of names kind of just fighting and getting their jabs in for why they deserve some of those minutes long term and I think we just need to start with George Hill because I mean he's been starting with us looked very consistent. Dude's 34 years old and he's looking like a really solid starter. You don't see that a lot outside of like the great, great players. George Hill has just always stayed consistent. Somehow he's still playing at a starting level. He's shooting the lights out for us. He's converting, getting buckets, doing whatever job he needs to alongside SGA. So he has been a great pairing so far. He's been averaging 11.8 points. 2.1 2.1 rebounds, 3.1 assists, and shooting second highest on the team in 3-point percentage. He's shooting 38.6%. And last season with the Bucks, he led the league shooting above the 45% mark from downtown. So he dropped a little bit, but he's still staying very consistent. The only man on the roster ahead of him is Al Horford, who has been shooting 42% on pretty much wide open shots. Nobody has respected the guy. George Hill, he's gotten some respect towards his name, and he's still dropping buckets over and over again. And with that, I mean, he had some responsibilities. He was playing over 26 minutes a game, and now it's just gone. Four weeks or even longer. we He's getting a reevaluation in four weeks. We'll see what happens from that point, but that's 26 minutes for the guard positions that are going to be let loose and there's a, a couple of guys, I think, that immediately jump out for who should we get in those minutes. And it's obvious. Teo Maladone and Hamadou Diallo. These past four games in replacement of George Hill. And now he's going to be starting probably long term if he continues to keep the job. He is 19. And in his four games starting, he just rose up to the occasion. He's been averaging 13 points, 3.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, and a steal and just a tick over 28 minutes a game right now. So he is getting the time, and he's making the best out of the situation. Should have more to come with that. In those four games, he's been shooting 17 of 30, and then from downtown, he's shooting 57%. And, you know, there's that one game against the Brooklyn Nets where he goes six for six. Even if you take that out of the equation in those other three games, 40% from downtown. So he has been shooting very nice. He does have kind of those up and down games. But overall, I'd consider him a pretty, pretty good uh, guy for, for that spot. And it starts with the play style. I've been talking about Teo Maladone, Like, you might as well just call this the Teo Maladone show the way I've been talking about him uh, in the past couple podcasts, but... That's really the main guy. That's the main story that we've gotten out of the Thunder, at least in this month of February so far. The play style meshes with SGA very well. We know SGA loves driving into the basket to just initiate anything, whether it's going up for the layup, going up, doing maybe like a step back for a mid-range shot, or just kicking it out to the corner. That's kind of how Teo Maladone operates as well. He's not as fast as SGA. The handle is not always there. I mean... SGA has a quick handle, like he will turn the Jets on in in the snap of a finger. Maladon's not really like that. He doesn't really have like a huge change in pace or anything, but it's a nice change that kind of catches some of these guards off guard. He still gets to the spots he wants to, and in the pick and roll, he is a deadly force. He's good at knowing when and when not to be passing the ball off or going up for his own shot. And hell, if someone tries to help out down low from like a corner he's going to hit the guy in the corner for the shot. So he has a great understanding of the pick and roll, and he's been shooting off the move, actually. He's kind of been expanding on that. If he can continue to create shots off the dribble, we should be good to go. I think the on-ball skills have been there from the get-go with Maladone. We've seen him in the pick and roll, as I mentioned. He can shoot off the dribble. And then also jump passing across the court, just crazy stuff they don't typically see from a 19-year-old that is some elite talent right there for his age group. The thing is, how does he play off the ball? And he's been playing pretty good. I mean, catch and shoot wise before last game uh, against Houston, he was actually leading the entire team on catch and shoot percentage, just below 50%. I know I mentioned that uh, a couple days ago, but it, it probably might've dropped now because George Hill was like a percent or two away. He, his percent's not moving. I think Maladon, He didn't have the greatest of performances last game. He shot one of four from three. So maybe he fell down. I'm not sure. But he's just right around that number one spot still. So he's shooting very effective when left wide open. Teams have kind of wanted him to be the guy taking shots. Just think of like Houston. Whenever Houston was playing against the Thunder in the uh, playoffs last year, they wanted Dort to shoot over and over again. It's kind of been like that with Maladon. Teams have kind of tensed up a little bit more like they're trying to go on him, but they're they're making sure and making a clear point that they would rather prioritize stopping SGA driving in than giving up the Maladon 3. We'll see if that ever shifts, but you know, you're going to get a chance to see it because he should be playing in the starting unit for a uh, sizable amount of time. Will he take all 26 of those? I'm not entirely sure. He definitely will get a juice up in... Number of minutes. He kind of has been lingering around the like 15 to 20 range until this injury hit. Now he's playing starting minutes and it may remain the same. But there's a competitor on the rise in Hamadou Diallo. And I don't think Hamadou Diallo necessarily is going for the starting gig. I think Maladone kind of has taken that job. But Diallo, he's a very unique player. And I think the reason he doesn't go up in the starting unit is because. His play style makes him so much better, just kind of running the show off of the bench. If he was in the starting unit, it'd be great. I mean, he is a starting level player at this point, but he's he brings a unique blend that results in really good results when you just want to throw him kind of doing his own thing. And that's what he's done consistently. He is the leader off the bench squad. He's averaging 11.7 points. rebounds and close to two assists in just 20 minutes of play. He was playing around 20 minutes last year, and you know what he was averaging? He was averaging like six and a half points. So he's near doubled the production this season, and he's just been on the rise constantly. I don't know how these minutes have not gone up game after game. I think he's just kind of been plateaued around the 20-minute mark. I think that needs to be moved up. Get him up to 25 minutes. I think the role that he has had is excellent. He needs to be the guy off the bench just doing whatever. He has kind of unlocked the passing part of his game where he's not always looking to take the shot when he drives in. Like, he will go in, and sometimes he'll stop and kick out. We didn't see that much in the past couple years with Diallo. He's just now starting to do it, and now that he has, he has become even more of an elite finisher, because these shots that he's taking are much more high quality. There's still some crazy contested ones in there, but for the most part, I think he's gotten better at that. He's not forcing every time, and even when he does force it, he creates contact, gets to the line. If he can work on that free throw, oh my goodness, Hamadou Diallo is going to be a great piece for a very long time. So you got Diallo there. I think just bumping him up a bit, I don't really think him playing in the starting unit would help him much i think as a team having diallo just running stuff you know doing isolations whatever he pleases to do actually helps a lot more than if you just insert him into uh the starting unit and i think that's something that mark dagnault and the rest of the team has kind of also uh come across as well I think the third option, though, it's a little bit surprising and it actually can't even happen anymore. And it's Ty Jerome. So Ty Jerome, he didn't really have a spot in the rotation um, whenever George Hill was not injured. That's just how it is. I said that whenever I was mentioning Jerome this week. But yeah, I mean, I just didn't see any minutes. Now with George Hill being gone, Jerome's like the perfect guy to be getting 10 to 15. Just test the waters with him a bit. That's not going to happen because he is going to be suiting up with the OKC Blue, but it's a nice thought. I'm guessing that they just want him to play in the bubble because he came off that injury. Makes total sense, but you could also try to just let him loose with the main roster. I think we're trying to test a lot of things. I know if that phrase would work, Poku would probably not get moved either, but whatever, whatever. Just know Jerome he has a real rotational role right now with hill out he's gonna not be with us though so that just means more minutes to Maladone, more minutes to diallo and maybe going up to some of the combo like wings almost maybe like kenrich williams could get some of those minutes right there because there's not a ton of guys i think we just have that solidified like four guard unit with sga Maladone, george hill and diallo fifth guy would be jerome but he's not there. George Hill's not there. You got to find the the fourth guy there or just even up the minutes in between the three guys. So Drum's a nice thought. He's going to be doing other things though and hopefully he is able to ball out in the G League and if there's a time where Hill's not with us, he can take the rotational spot and just be a distributor at the one or two as well as a knockdown shooter off the catch and shoot because that is what he did well in the college now you got to talk about pokachevsky though and pokachevsky he had the bench role but he still had a sizable amount of minutes he was playing 17 minutes a night and he was not just a one position guy george Hill was primarily at the two poku he was playing at the three and the four and there were some of these really wacky lineups where you don't even know what position Anyone would be playing like it'd be Diallo, Justin Jackson would be on there, Poku would be on there, Roby would be on there, Muscala would be on there, Williams, whatever. Like, how do you kind of assess where they would be spot on the on the one through five? I don't know. But he was playing multiple different jobs for the team, and that's why there's a lot of flexibility in who gets the minutes. This is going to be a straight-up dogfight. 17 minutes not as much as 26, that's still a lot though, like 17 minutes for an NBA player can make or break them, one of the guys I have on my list is Justin Jackson, he's not consistently even playing for the team right now, and he just came off what I believe is his best performance with the team ever, actually, I think he dropped double digits for one of the first times in a Thunder uniform, and he really just like not looked that comfortable so far whenever he's on the floor i think he kind of has that like deontay burton effect kick in where whenever he touches it he wants to shoot because he knows he's not going to be playing for a while he may not have to worry about that anymore but we'll see i mean he's 25 years old at this point really just supposed to be a stretch four he loves doing really long floaters for whatever reason but i mean poku he's playing a lot of four minutes if you just want to put in one guy in particular into uh into the rotation and not like just overload certain players, Justin Jackson is the next man up because I mean that's really all you have left at this point. We only have 12 guys with our four people being shipped off and there's not really any other big um that isn't playing right now outside of Jackson. So I think Jackson could be your front runner there at least in terms of like, the increase in roles. Now, I think some of those minutes could actually be spread out to other players, such as Isaiah Roby, Kenrich Williams, and Darius Miller. I think Roby and Williams, they've kind of established themselves to this point. They're not playing, like, a ton of minutes right now, and I think they actually deserve, um, more. However, I mean, we're just going to see how they do it, because there's four guys going for this spot. I mean, Kenneth Williams, he's had the same up and down thing where he will go from being one of the top players in the game to the next five, like hardly even being noticeable on the box score. So we'll see kind of how it shapes up there. The same has been true with Roby. Starting at some points, like whenever Horford was out, six games in a row, playing pretty solid, and then just dipping to really non-existence for whatever reason so yeah we'll, we'll see how the cards kind of go with those two Roby's playing around 19 maybe you can wiggle that up a bit and then Kenridge Williams he's only playing 12.6 so I think that is the dude that primarily would probably get bumped up to like 15 or 16 you got Jackson though he needs more minutes he needs some love hardly ever plays and then you also have Darius Miller who I mean, if you thought Justin Jackson hardly played, wait till you see this guy. He's only played three games with our team so far. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think he's like only scored once off of a three pointer. So he's barely touching the floor. He has been healing up from an Achilles injury for like a year at this point. We traded for him in the Steven Adams deal, dump him off, get some draft capital along with, uh, a lot of just sign and trade people. Miller was not a sign and trade. His contract is like standard, but like three dudes got laced in. It was Kenrich Williams, Zion Cheatham, and I think Joshua Gray. Cut Cheatham, cut Gray. We got Kenrich Williams, and we got Darius Miller. Darius Miller on a nine million dollar expiring. I think the Thunder likely are just trying to get him off by the end of the year, or at least by the trade deadline. They want to get some sort of capital maybe just maybe some team will take a flyer on him not necessarily for this skill because if he's not playing right now for us he does likely have a long way to go but but the nine mil really attractive you can get that off the books and sign somebody later on in a free agency so you could be looking at that and you also have trevor rezon expiring as well he's not returning for the team for a long while but need to think about him as well so miller may be used as a trade chip try to juice up the trade value and getting him some of pokachevsky's minutes those are my main four though i think the most to gain are justin jackson darius miller roby and williams they may get the uh couple minutes here and there padded up to them we'll see and as i said with george hill it's kind of a unique situation because we don't have like a fourth guard at the moment Maybe you even see some of those minutes trickling down to some of the bigger guys on the roster. And now moving on to the Thunder Rockets game. It should be an interesting one. Uh, we all know how the game went on Monday. Kinda just want to forget about it. Ended up losing by 30 points, 136 to 106 for the Houston Rockets. They ended up moving up to 10 and 9. The Thunder fell to 8-11. Thunder won a W here. It's not going to be easy, though, because now they are down their best player. Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to miss the first game of the season for the team. You also have to factor in Hill being out, and then you got your four guys not with the team right now. So there is only 10 players left on this Thunder roster. I think sometime in the future I'll have to cover this. The Thunder are kind of playing with fire right here. If they get a couple COVID protocols going through the roster, this is going to be the next Memphis Grizzlies situation where there's no basketball for upwards of a week due to all this stuff. There's not enough players. Maybe you need to pull them back at some point, but there's only 10 guys right now. So that's a little bit concerning. There's going to be a lot of different roles in this game due to Shea Gildas Alexander not being able to play. But luckily for the Thunder... The Houston Rockets also have a main player out. They still got David Nawaba out, if anyone cares for that, but John Wall is not there. So both star guards for each side are not going to be participating in this game. And John Wall really kick started that huge blowout that the Rockets had. John Wall started like I think he scored like eight of the Rockets' first 10 points in that game, hitting three, two threes, two quick ones. Whole entire Rockets team gets inspired off that, ends up dropping 28 threes for a franchise record, one shy of the NBA record to tie, but yeah, they were super hot, now they don't have one of their biggest players, and they're going to be looking at the bench for point guard play. Now, they really don't have a true backup point guard right now, I think you're likely looking at Eric Gordon actually getting moved up into the starting lineup there. But Eric Gordon, he's been an absolute beast. He led the whole entire game on Monday in points, 25 points, 5 of 9 from downtown, and he was just penetrating right at the basket. So he was cooking up in that game. He really wasn't passing the ball around much, though. Only two assists. In total, the Rockets had 30. So he was more just the isolation, do-it-yourself kind of guy. He was not spreading the love around to teammates. And the hope for this Thunder game is Eric Gordon has to try to run the offense and he just won't be able to. Now, on the flip side, Eric Gordon's not going to be playing against Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's going to be going up against Teo Maladone. And you can almost guarantee that. You can almost bet the house. Since SGA's gone, Hill's gone, we already knew Maladon was going to be starting at the one or two um, with Hill out. But now with SGA out, he's probably going to be your point guard. And the two slot, Should be going to Hamadou Diallo. Maybe there's a curveball where Diallo stays on the bench and you see another situation where a Justin Jackson type gets inserted somewhere and the roster kind of gets changed up um, due to that. But we'll see. Just know that there will be some question marks at the shooting guard spot. But I mean, Eric Gordon versus Teo Maladone kind of should be the key matchup here. Maladone, he's been having his moments in these games wasn't all there against the Rockets, still managed to get double digits, but he's going to need to be great on defense to stop a scorer like Gordon, and you still need to talk about Victor Oladipo, he was doing pretty solid in the last game, 15 points on the bench, they had DeMarcus Cousins, killing everybody from downtown, you need to guard him tight, what about Christian Wood, Christian Wood hardly even had to play in the game. He played 26 minutes. And if he played any more, the stat sheets would be, like, numerous. He was unstoppable on Monday. He had 18 points on 8 of 13 shooting, 2 of 3 from downtown, as well as 11 rebounds. So he took Al Horford right to the house, doing whatever he wanted, really. That cannot be happening. Al Horford needs to stop Christian Wood. And I don't know... Like I said, in, um, I think it was Mondays. I don't know if Horford really is the perfect matchup for Wood. I think Isaiah Roby could be that nice change. Sure, you lose the height advantage. But Roby, he's actually weighs a bit more. 7'3", wingspan, and he's able to catch up with Christian Wood. So maybe if the big issue that you're looking at is Wood's slashing ability, Roby should be the guy playing a lot of minutes against Christian Wood um Horford I mean he's not terrible he can get these shots going from outside and he tried working it on the post against Christian Wood uh on Monday but I don't know if that exactly should be the game plan I think with SGA out there's going to be a lot of just changing factors with the team maybe Dagnall just wants to throw everything at once at these guys and see if something sticks Roby playing at the five against Wood I'd love to see that I wouldn't mind off-the-bench Horford going against DeMarcus Cousins. That would be perfect. I think they would match up pretty well because DeMarcus, yeah, he's going to be trying to fling up threes. You know who else is? Al Horford. DeMarcus Cousins is not going to run inside. He's going to try to bully his way inside for points. Al Horford's able to stand up to that. Horford can't deal with the blow-bys, and neither can DeMarcus Cousins. That's a much better matchup than what is currently going on, I know it could be costly for this Thunder team, but they lost by 30 points on Monday. If you want to try something out, that's what you try out. You seriously should consider Isaiah Roby starting because you do need to patch up things. And there's a lot of things that need to be patched up. Starting with Maladone, he needs to be running the offense. He's looked very comfortable playing off the ball. Now is his time to shine on the ball. Do you guys remember in the preseason where he had 20 points against the San Antonio Spurs? the running mate with him was actually Isaiah Roby, and they were doing pick and roll after pick and roll. He was getting inside, getting floaters off, dumping it down. Didn't matter, and he still was able to step outside. That's what you want to be seeing. You want to see a lot of high ball screens for Teo Maladone, get the pick and roll going, and try to get passes out to others. Now, the starting lineup at the two, don't know. You could see Dort there, you could see Diallo there at the three, you could see Baisley or Dort, and at the four, Justin Jackson or Darius Baisley is what you're looking at you just want to surround Maladone with shooters though because he's going to be looking to dish it outside and he can even shoot himself so it's going to be a lot of shot creation and Maladone trying to force some sort of offense through other guys they need to be on mark from the three-point range OKC actually shot 38% from downtown on Monday which is pretty good Um, the Rockets, they actually shot 54%, so kind of a big gap there. If you can slow down the Rockets production from three and keep at the 38% level, should be good. I think Maldon should be able to get a lot of passes over to others, and hell, maybe he could actually take the cake over a veteran like Eric Gordon. People that probably could break out again hamadou diallo nobody could stop him on monday 15 points in 15 minutes drive away on these guys now they are down a man so they're going to be looking probably at a shorter rotation i don't know if they're going to bolster up minutes for some of their guards here or they're going to look deeper down in their bench you're looking at someone like daniel house or Sterling Brown guarding Diallo, do I really, I mean, no, I'll ask you, do you really think Sterling Brown's going to be able to stop Amadou Diallo? Hell no, he's not, Diallo needs to be going at him, and trying to rack up points again, he could be the number one option, and with SGA out, there's a hot chance he will, he is a guy who, outside of SGA, has like a unique ability to take over games, now we've seen it from other people, like Dort, uh, we know he had that huge outing. I think he had 26 some odd points earlier in the season. But it wasn't like he was isoing people making shots. He kind of gets it off of others. Shea is able to do it himself. Hamid Diallo is also able to do it himself. So you want Diallo playing as much minutes as you want, getting as many possessions as possible on penetrations. And he could also kind of take the same thing as maladone where you're always looking for extra passes outside but if not drive in and take the shot man diallo could be the pivotal part in the game starts with defense though they got a lot of options everywhere i think they had like seven people in double digits last game so there's many different parts of the rockets team you will need to shut down but from what we know last game you need to be tidying up on the three also do not want to let christian wood get loose inside because points in the paint can be a dangerous thing to play with we've lost a lot of matchups due to other teams feasting inside can't be letting that happen stop cousins stop christian wood and no three-pointers if that can happen you're in tip-top shape right there still got a lot of stuff to do on offense there will be some surprising faces if the thunder are able to pull this one out and Maladone, Diallo, main, main guys, Roby, if he has a big role. And then how about Darius Baisley? Darius Baisley quietly had another double-digit game on Monday. 15 points, 6 rebounds, and an assist on 6 of 13 shooting. He got wide open off of penetrations. This man is the king of doing hop steps and euro steps. Keep doing it on your matchup. Looking at P.J. Tucker here, P.J. Tucker is not going to be able to hang with a guy like Darius Baisley as long as he's on the floor. Are you serious? Saw it in the playoffs. Saw it again. Keep doing what you're doing, Baze, and you may just end up getting a bit over 15 points in the night. So, will be a fun one to watch. Um... You know, it's interesting, and it kind of sucks that we don't have Poku or Josh Hall or just any of those four guys moving over because this does seem like an experimental game, and this may end up kind of blowing up in the Thunder's faces, maybe another big loss, but we also could learn some valuable lessons from this game and learn a lot about some of our players you don't typically see on the hardwood, so make sure to look out for it. Should be a good one. Other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I will talk to you all later. See ya.